How's my sound? Good? Then if you would, please stand for the reading of God's holy word from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Um, As Pastor Ben mentioned, my name is... Matt Klein. I am the other pastor here at Clearwater Presbyterian. Uh, It's my joy to kick off what we will be doing for the next three services this month in August and our first service in September as we are preaching some selections about what we earnestly hope to be true of us as a church. And we are starting this week with faithful to the word of God. Next week we will preach about what it means to be true to the Reformed faith or what we believe the scriptures teach. And finally, we will preach about what it means to be obedient to the Great Commission, what God wants us to do with his word once we've learned it ourselves. So would you pray with me and we can begin looking at our sermon text from 2 Timothy. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear the voice of our Savior in these words this morning. Give us a living faith to trust every word you have given to us in the Bible, that we may live to your glory. Amen. Keep calm and carry on. This is that famous motivational poster, and you can now see variations of it everywhere that say virtually everything. There are bakeries that have signs that say, keep calm and have a cupcake. Um, My personal favorite is don't panic and fake a British accent. You may know this poster because it was produced in mass in 1939 in Britain to prepare the people of London for the Nazi Air Force bombing campaign that was soon to begin. But what I didn't know, and you may not know, is these posters were actually never produced in mass. They were never put up in the city. We find something incredibly inspiring about the idea to live our lives and carry on even in the most dire circumstances. However, it's much more difficult to do that in reality. It's more difficult than saying the slogan. Keep Calm and Carry On was going to be part of a large campaign to try and boost the public morale of the British people. However, the earlier posters and slogans were so poorly responded to, they never distributed these posters. And it wasn't until later they were discovered in storage that it became popular as it is today. Again, it's much easier to celebrate the mindset than actually have it. Our text this morning was written at a time of crisis in the early church. 2 Timothy, as far as we know, is the last letter the Apostle Paul wrote. It's a personal letter to a pastor named Timothy, as you might expect, 
to encourage him to not lose confidence as he has to continue forward in ministry. Paul and the other apostles, the earliest leaders in the church, are getting older, and actually many have died for their faith. The church is now spread across the known world. It is facing persecution wherever it goes. It's facing new objections from the Greeks and the Romans. And earlier in the letter, Paul warns Timothy. He expects many people, even people Timothy knows and loves, to abandon the faith. He expects false teachers to rise up and deceive vulnerable people within the church. Paul knows ultimately to face these challenges, Timothy cannot lose his confidence in the word of God. I don't think it has gotten easier to remain faithful to the word of God since then. It's hard to go anywhere, especially in a university town, where the Bible's credibility is not being attacked. And we live in a time where the newest and the latest is best. So for many, trusting an ancient document written by people who didn't know the scientific theory and couldn't fact-check things on Wikipedia seems strange. And in fact, in our own crises, our own sin, and our own suffering, it's much easier to say we should just trust the Bible than actually do it. In fact, today, sadly, many see no irony in claiming to be a Christian and completely disregarding the Bible and what it says. So we are in a place where we need the same encouragement as Timothy. Whatever questions you have, whatever struggles we face, we must not lose confidence in the Bible. Why? Because no matter who you are or where you find yourself, we need to be faithful to the word of God because it is where God gives us his word to establish friendship with us. So today we will look at three reasons why we should only and ultimately lie on rely on the scriptures to lead us to God, to direct our lives, and give direction to this church as long as it, he sees it fit for it to exist. And it is three reasons. Because the scriptures are the oxygen for our Christian lives. The scriptures give us the true North Star and are our treasured communication from a loving father. So first, let us look at why we should be faithful to the scriptures because like I said, it is like oxygen. It is indispensable to our Christian lives. This is where Paul begins. He impresses upon Timothy the necessity of the scripture for his ministry. Especially as Paul is about to pass away. Timothy has been with Paul, mentored by him for 17 years. And soon, the church will be without any of Christ's hand-selected apostles. And, and Paul says, Timothy, you will also minister in times of increasing evil you will face persecution yourself. You will know false teachers. And Paul wants Timothy to be ensured that no matter what else he does, sees happening around him, no matter what anyone else chooses to do in the church, he will be faithful to the word of God. Again, we don't live in a time where loyalty to the word of God is a given. A survey was done of Bible reading in 2022. For the 10 years prior, about 50% of Americans reported that they opened the Bible three times a year. Now, I'll just say that amount of Bible reading is not particularly inspiring, but in 2022, the numbers dropped. Now, less than 40% of Americans are opening the Bible even twice a year. But Paul encourages you and Timothy to have a very different relationship with the scriptures. He says, but as for you, continue 
in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. Paul is describing the scripture as oxygen for Timothy's life. He can't live without this resource. There's no substitute to the word of God in your life. No part of our lives can be healthy as long as they are separated from God's word. Prayer and worship are certainly important. But without the Bible, we cannot know who we are praying to or what we should praise him for. Yes, obeying God is essential. But where do you find God's will? Even for the church, you need to be part of a church. But there is nothing worse on earth than an unbiblical church. Churches that retain the name of Christian but deny its fundamental teaching, no matter what other good they do, are dangerous to your soul. But oh, are we tempted to try and direct parts of our lives apart from the word of God. Maybe the Bible should teach us about all the religious stuff, like God going to heaven. But when it comes to my personal life, my relationships, I'm going to separate it. We often substitute some parenting philosophy, some political, cultural, health, or financial fad to center our lives around. Timothy's life and ministry are to be directed by a continual study and explanation, application of the word of God, not the latest news cycle. Because it is the message of the Bible that was going to direct Timothy and the church into the future. Note, Paul does not promise Timothy new apostles he will get to learn from. He doesn't promise the church will never have a never-ending stream of continuing revelation. This is why the early church was in such a time of transition. Because with the death of the men that Jesus chose to teach his message and put it in the Bible, the church was in a time of change. These men, the apostles, didn't appoint other apostles. Paul appointed Timothy a pastor and instructed him to teach the word of God as it had already been given. In Jesus' brother's letter, Jude, he told Christians, what is their responsibility ultimately? To be faithful to the faith that was once for all delivered in the Bible. All the word of God needed for Timothy, for you, for Clearwater Presbyterian Church, is right here. This is why we do not move beyond it. In fact, the verses we read this morning only have one command, and it is the command, continue. Paul's command for Timothy is continue. Continue in the sacred writings which he's already known from childhood, and he's learned from Paul himself. The instruction of children was taken incredibly seriously in Jewish culture. The Jewish nation, in fact, may be the first historical example of compulsory elementary education. Beginning at age five, children would begin memorizing the scripture, as much of it as they could. By age 10, they were expected to have begun, learned enough of the Bible to begin studying all the Jewish commentaries on the word. And by 13, they were studying the elaborate set of Jewish laws and customs. So, perhaps a good instruction this morning is parents, your children need the word of God to nurture them. Read them the Bible. Tell them the stories from the Bible. 
And to me, physician, heal thyself. We live in a day of endless educational opportunities and even more extracurricular activities. But parents, the Bible is what we need for our children because we have lots of aspirations for our families and kids, don't we? But the best thing that could be said about your children someday isn't that they had the best grades or that they attended the college of their dreams or that they were the best dancer in the sixth grade dance recital or that you had the best family vacations or that you used the best homeschool curriculum. No, the best thing that could be said about them is this. Children, continue in what you've learned. Believe in the Bible because you know who you learned it from. You know your pastors. You know the life and character of your father and your mother. You know what they taught you. You know they had lives that matched what they said from their lips. So continue, above all, in the good news of Jesus Christ, which you know so well. That is an aspiration for parents. Okay, kids, I'm done talking to your mom and dad. As much as we, kids included, need the Bible, many things today erode our confidence in it. There are many, again, today who believe the Bible has many good ideas. Encouragement. It's good to read Psalm 23 when people are sad. But on the other hand, the Bible has been used to justify a lot of evil, too. Should we really place so much weight on a book that has given the world so many bad things? Well, my question would then be, why doesn't anyone have the same view of the Beatles' White Album? Why doesn't anyone hold the White Album to the same standard? Because as you may know, Charles Manson Manson claimed the music of the Beatles inspired the Manson family murders. Yet, I've never heard anyone in an interview ask Paul McCartney how dare he create music that would lead to such evil. Why? Because misuse of the White Album doesn't reflect on its writers. Just like misuse of the Bible doesn't mean there's something wrong with it. It means there's something wrong with the reader. They are missing the Bible's message. In fact, this answers our second question we must come to the text for. Why is the Bible indispensable to our lives? Why is it the oxygen we need? The answer is this. Because like the North Star, it guides us to the message of salvation. So we dare not stray from it. The North Star is one of the easiest stars to find in the sky at night, here in the Northern Hemisphere at least. It's been used for hundreds and hundreds of years to guide those charting a course. The North Star Polaris is located in the sky directly above the North Pole. It's at the end of the Little Dipper. It's very bright. I'm sure most of you know where to look for it. And it's been used by sea and land navigators to find true north from which they can chart a course. This is what the Bible does for you. Paul tells Timothy why his education in the Bible was so valuable. Because from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The reason God has given us the Bible is so that we will know the true message of salvation in Christ Jesus. Again, there are many other guides easy to trade the Bible for. There's probably no more tempting guide to trade the Bible for than ourselves. 
Today, we hear again a lot of being true to yourself as some ultimate good. We foolishly tell children following their hearts is good advice. But Paul's warning, again, is not primarily about all the messages out in the world, all the ways the world is going wrong. Paul is worried about what is happening to Christians. Because we ourselves can be led astray, even if we think the Bible is good, even if we think the Bible is holy, even if we think it's from God, if we elevate our own personal experiences with God above it. Paul, in his letter, is primarily concerned with false teaching. Because perhaps nothing erodes trust in the Bible like false teaching. Because think about it. What happens when you hear false teaching? We see two sides confidently complain, uh, proclaim what the Bible teaches, what's true. And they completely contradict each other. And this happens on virtually everything the Bible teaches. Nothing the Bible says about morality, doctrine, its historical accuracy is not debated somewhere. And for us, it's then easy to say, well, can we really be sure? Maybe it's not that important. Maybe we can't really know. I don't want to be prideful and call someone else wrong. And we continue down this path until we know nothing and believe nothing. Isn't this precisely what happened in the garden to Adam and Eve? God said this was true. The serpent said this. And they had to decide which was right. And just like Adam and Eve, the real problem is that it reveals our own lack of trust in God. Because apparently, we have been fooled into thinking that God cannot communicate clearly enough. That he is not a very good writer. That would not be a very big God. And so I want to explain to you the way to avoid most, te most false teaching. Remember, the Bible has one goal. It has one North Star. The Bible covers many topics, but it has one ultimate goal in all it says. It is for you to establish friendship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So as you come to the Bible, if you come for something other than the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, you will not understand it. Again, we are frankly tempted to make the Bible about us and not Jesus. The main character of the Bible is Jesus, not you. And it is our remaining sin that brings confusion to the Bible, not God. But by his beautiful grace, he tells a clear, unified story of salvation from the first pages of Genesis to the final words of Revelation. This is how Jesus himself led Bible studies. After his resurrection, Jesus met with two disciples on the road. And he led them in a Bible study to help them understand why he died on the cross, what it all meant. You can find this in Luke 24, 44. I'll read this section. Um, you can turn there if you have a Bible. Otherwise, listen to these words. And this is Jesus speaking. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to this, understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending 
the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, this is shorthand for the entire Old Testament. And Jesus says they are about me. The Old Testament and the New Testament share the same message, authority, and grace for you. The message of the whole Bible is the same. It's put simply, it's this. You are out of fellowship because of your sin. And Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection, you can have friendship with God again. The Bible may have other moral lessons for you, but those cannot be appreciated until you have first grasped this first and fundamental story. And the good news of that story is that it is not based on anything you do, but trusting in Jesus as he's revealed in the scriptures. Paul says in verse 15, the scripture has the power to make you wise unto salvation. You see, wisdom is more than having the right information. Wisdom is the ability to apply truth in real life. The Bible has more powerful power to transform you. It can transform how you see the world. This is why it is like a North Star. Because there are plenty of people with lots of information about the Bible, plenty of gurus, plenty of beliefs about spirituality, wholeness, religion. But none of them, other than the Bible, teach us to find friendship with God and eternal life in Christ. So we should be faithful to the scriptures because it's our indispensable resource. Why? Because it points us to Jesus. Finally, the Bible, our text, answers, why should we trust the Bible to do all this? How can I be sure the Bible is what I need today? How can I know the message of Jesus is for me? Well, it is because it, the Bible, is our treasured communication from God. Paul pauses to reflect on the nature of Scripture for a moment. He does it so he, Timothy, and you know how powerful a thing you are holding in your hands. He does this and says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. He calls the scripture breathed out by God. It actually appears in Greek, Paul invented this word to describe scripture. You see, when you speak, your words are you breathed. Your breath, guided by your mind, produces speech. If the Bible is God-breathed, it means its source is from God's breathing out. Yes, he did it through human authors. But God's Holy Spirit guided these authors so completely that what they wrote did not have a human origin, but a divine one. And they wrote without error because God was speaking. And the all-knowing creator never gets anything wrong. But not only is nothing in the Bible wrong, God knew the most valuable things people would need to know in every age, and he put them in the Bible. This is why we must be faithful to the Bible, because it is the only source of God-breathed truth we have. This is why the word is powerful. This is why, like in our reading from the Psalms, the writer can say, I'm wiser than my enemies. I have more teacher, wisdom than my teachers. I understand more than the aged. He's not saying he doesn't have anything to learn from his teachers. 
but that in every situation, the psalmist can bring God's perspective. He can bring ultimate truth from God's law. And God, who made all, knows his word. And his word can guide us in every situation we faith. You see, those who don't trust in divine words will never have certainty. Because how could you ever know if you were deceived? Because even the many things you know could always be disproved by the things you don't know. And no matter how many things you know, there are a lot more things you don't know. Let me make it clear. There's a lesson from hum- of history. Humans get things wrong. We can look back in Peru in the 1400s when they sacrificed children to change the weather. We can look in the 1700s when the Spanish Inquisition charged Galileo with a crime for saying the sun and not the earth was the center of the universe. In the 1800s in America, doctors believed it was a waste of time to wash their hands before surgery. In fact, our capacity to make mistakes is so great, there's a museum in Edinburgh, Scotland called the Library of Mistakes. It has more than 2,000 books dedicated, and I quote, to smart people who keep doing stupid things. But it would be foolish to look down on any of these people if you can't answer this next question. What will you be proved wrong about? Because the question is this, how do you know if you're deceived? Where can you find certainty in ultimate things that matter, like life, death, God, right and wrong? The Bible. The Bible not only teaches you what you need to know to be saved, but their God-inspired character means it provides you all the teaching for every good thing and every task you will face. It will correct evil every evil way and point you from anything you may be tempted to. This is the major point Paul is making to Timothy. This, he explains the scriptures coming from God to convince Timothy that the Bible is sufficient for all his needs. The Bible is profitable, able to make you complete, equip you for every good work because it's breathed out by God. God is holding nothing back from anyone willing to be taught, corrected, rebuked, and trained by the Bible. With these words, we learn a little bit of what it looks like to be faithful to the Bible. You can't be faithful to the word of God unless you come ready to listen ready to obey whatever it says, no matter what it says. And what Paul has just said is the Bible will not always agree with you. It will not affirm every decision you've made in your life. There is no reason to think that suddenly in Eau Claire, Wisconsin in 2023, we have the right beliefs, ethics, and values of God. You should come to the Bible expecting to be taught, rebuked, corrected, and trained. Being faithful to the Bible means a lot more, but it means nothing less than admitting you are wrong when you disagree with it. You must give the Bible the authority to judge you and not stand as over a judge of it. I get to decide what's right or wrong here. Until you do that, you will never be made complete complete. 
Paul uses a commercial term here. It was described for a piece of farming equipment that was in perfect working condition. It can do everything it needs to do. It would be something like on Facebook Marketplace being like new condition. The word of God today can take you from wherever you are and train you and shape you into a person and give you the life you were meant to have. And most importantly of all, it can give you knowledge of the God who made you with love. This is the promise of the Bible that nothing else has. Listening to your heart, self-help, other revelations cannot promise you perfect knowledge of your Savior's love. This is because it's God's very words to us. It's communication from our loving Savior, and we should cherish it. In Romans 10, 17, Paul says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of Christ. Paul says the people in Rome, to have faith, must hear the voice of Christ. But there's a problem. The people in Rome never met Jesus in person. They never heard his actual voice. So where did they hear his voice? Where can you hear Jesus' voice to have faith and be sustained day to day? The Bible. The Bible, and especially the Bible rightly taught, is where you can hear the voice of Jesus Christ. And it should never be taken for granted. Think of all the stories of soldiers going into battle in World War II carrying letters from home, from wives, from girlfriends. These messages from those who loved them sustained them. They saved these letters even decades later. Perhaps you have parents or grandparents whose letters you you've read or seen. But in your hands, you possess the words of your Savior. You possess his words designed to sustain you and show you his love for you in every circumstance. So we must be faithful to the word of God and attentive to its teaching, trusting it above all things, allowing it to correct us because Jesus is speaking to you He's establishing friendship with you if you listen. So, keep calm and carry on in the word. Again, the slogan is easier to say than to live it. In the face of crisis, we often think there's something else we need more than the continual reading of God's word. We need something more from our pastors than the careful teaching of God's word. We think we need an answer not found in the Bible. And we, at least for the time being, maybe it's okay to just trust our own instincts. We'll come back to the Bible later. But when you feel that way, when I feel that way, you need the Bible even more because you are losing sight of what you need most. Because more than you need that answer, help, relief from your problem, you need Jesus. And it is the Bible that will reveal that to you. Ultimately, you need him. And nothing short of friendship with Jesus should ever be enough for you. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, where you extend a hand of friendship to us and give us perfect testimony of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Give us faith to trust your word, because it gives us Jesus, and he is enough. 
And Jesus is enough because he is your son who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Would you stand with me as we confess what we believe to be true about the Bible and nothing else? I will read the question and we will read the bolded answer together. What rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? The word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. What do the scriptures principally teach? The scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. Let's sing a hymn of response because God's word is not just true, it's sweet. Trust in Jesus just to take him as his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the sake the Just from sin. 